Hey there. If you like this podcast, you are going to love my new book, Needy, How to Advocate for Your Needs and Reclaim Your Sovereignty. In Needy, I share my unique approach to identifying, honoring, and advocating for the most tender and true parts of yourself that are yearning to be acknowledged. It is an invitation to embody self-acceptance, which leads to meaningful growth in self-responsibility, self-care, self-trust, and self-love. All of the themes that we talk about all of the time on this podcast. Woven with threads of timeless wisdom, honest assessments of our needs, and heartfelt personal stories of transformation from yours truly and others, Needy illustrates a profound vision for what is possible when you listen to the stirrings of your heart and reclaim your undisputed sovereignty in your life. Now, you can get Needy wherever books are sold, but if you are a podcast super fan, you might appreciate the audiobook, which I do narrate, which you can find on Audible. Now on to today's show. It's your host, Mara Glatzel, and you are listening to The Needy Podcast. Here at Needy, we are devoted to sharing frank conversations and true stories about what it means to meet your needs consistently, messily, and sustainably. To get more information about today's episode, please visit theneedypodcast.com. Now, on to today's show. everyone. Welcome back to the Needy Podcast. It's me, Mara Glatzel, your host. And today I'm talking about making sustainable commitments and really just getting into the crux of how we decide what to devote our precious resources to. And I define our precious resources as our time, our energy, our attention, our cash, and how to create a more stable ecosystem so that we have energy available for the things that we want to prioritize and quite frankly, so that we don't burn out because we are all pretty burnt out, right? One of the reasons that we're burnt out is because that's the natural result of making too many unsustainable commitments. And There are other aspects to burnout, which I will talk about another day, but not today. (laughs) But today I'm going to talk about this piece, which is really how we are thoughtful about where we put our energy, how we respond to things that we want to respond to thoughtfully and with reverence to our own innate personal capacity and have a greater understanding of the overall map of our lives, knowing that we cannot do everything. We cannot do everything. And we can do some things, certainly, but we can do those things more easily, with more grace, with more resiliency, with more comfort, more pleasure and enjoyment if we have the right support. Meaning we're making 
really intentional decisions about what we say yes to. And when we say yes to something, we are also making a tandem commitment to ourselves to make sure that we have what we need in order to make good on that commitment to begin with. So what's what's going on in this space? Let me set the stage. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you are familiar with the concept of making unsustainable commitments and um, the consequences of that. And we do this in a multitude of ways. You know, we make, certainly we say yes to too many things. So that's just off the top, right? We tell ourselves the lie that we can and should be able to prioritize everything. And I say that we tell ourselves the lie here because I am giving you back personal responsibility for what you tell yourself about what you are ready, able, and willing to say yes to. But certainly, certainly that narrative, that belief system is impacted by capitalism, by structural oppression that we live and breathe by urgency culture and perfectionism that we see as tenets of white supremacy. And the belief that if we just, you know, life hack ourselves enough or somehow gain greater work-life balance, then we, we're going to be able to do everything that we want to do, which is just not true. So off the top, we are setting ourselves up to fail. Now, I love failure. So when I talk about failure here, it is lovingly. I will 100% admit that failure can be uncomfortable, but failure is one of the single most important teachers for getting it right, doing it better next time. So failure provides us with an opportunity to gain essential data about how we want to live our lives in greater alignment. But when we fail, because we have too many priorities, the data that we're receiving is, it's not possible. It is not humanly possible to prioritize as many things as we are currently trying to prioritize. It's nothing wrong with us. It doesn't mean we can't hack it. It doesn't mean that we should be pushing harder or working harder in order to be better. It means it's not possible to prioritize so many things at the same time. The second aspect of an unsustainable commitment is one that's just not a good fit, meaning it's not something that you actually want to do. It might be something that you think that you should do, or you may be interested in being seen in a specific way after having done it as good or virtuous. You may want to please people. It may be something that the historical version of you wants to do, But the now you, if you're really honest with yourself, is no longer interested. And we carry these kinds of commitments over the course of our lives because maybe at one point we really wanted to do a thing and we kind of put it on to-do list after to-do list after to-do list without ever questioning, is this something that I still want to do? And it's unsustainable energetically to sign yourself up for something that you neither want nor need to do. And by need here, I mean, not because society tells you that you have to, but need because the quality of your life requires you to. 
So I may not want to file my taxes or set up second parent adoptions for my kids, but I need to, right? That's not society telling me that I need to look a certain way or act a certain way. I need to for the comfort and ease and safety of my life. Now, sometimes we set commitments that we are unwilling to be changed by. We're unwilling to allow ourselves to be transformed during the process of pursuing it. We want to have what we want and we want to stay exactly the same. And why do we want that? Because change and transformation can be uncomfortable. But a commitment is unsustainable if you are unwilling to be changed by it. If you are unwilling to do things differently in order to have it. Because of course, doing things differently is necessary. If you were able to do the same things that you've been doing and have the thing that you, you know, propose to want, then you would have it already. But you don't. So you're going to have to do something differently. And how often do we make commitments or say, yes, I want a thing. But the minute it gets uncomfortable, we make ourselves wrong. We make our desires wrong. We backtrack. We do anything to numb or avoid our discomfort. And we're creating an unsustainable ecosystem with that decision because we never had any intention to make good on it. So my question for you is, why bother? And I say that kind of tongue in cheek. I understand why we propose, (laughs) why we say we want the things that we want. But if you're not willing to be changed by that thing, if you are not willing to actively engage with what will be required in order to have it, for me, that's just paying lip service. That's just saying, yeah, I want a thing that I never have any intention of actually pursuing. And I find that to be, I don't say waste of time because I don't believe anything, you know, waste of time puts a negative judgment on it. But I see that as a tragic loss of your vital time and energy. Why would you commit to something that you don't actually intend to follow through on? Why bother, right? And the last piece is that a commitment is unsustainable when it bypasses or it ignores what we personally require in order to make good on it. So kind of mentioned this at the top. If we are doing a thing... We want to do a thing. We need to make a tandem commitment to our own needs in order to make good on it. So let's say, for example, I wanted to serve on a local committee in my town. And that felt really important to be more politically active in my local landscape I wanted to participate on a topic that meant a lot to me, wanted to contribute to the conversation and help shape the forward movement of our local political scene. Okay, great. Cool. That's something that I want to commit to. I have a pretty thorough understanding of why I want to commit to it. But if I am not willing to be changed by that desire to find time in my schedule to get some rest, to say no to things in order to make space for it, then I'm just saying that I want something without giving myself what I need in order to make good on it. Now, why should we care? 
right? This happens every day. Why should we care? Well, for several reasons. The first is that you only have a certain amount of energy. And I would love to see you using it in a direction that serves you, that nourishes you, and that supports you in co-creating the world that you want to be a part of, that you want to leave for the next generation. We have no business wasting our time or our energy at this point, as far as I'm concerned. So I don't want to see you wasting yours. The second is that I think that we can be far more productive when we are disciplined in committing to caring for our corner of the collective experience instead of trying to do all of the things. Now, for the reasons that I described before, it is seductive to say yes to more than your corner of the shared experience. You may get an ego boost from that. You may like being seen as the person who can do all of the things. Uh, You might be really good at it. There are a lot of reasons that you might say yes to more than you can actually make good on. But if you want to sustainably commit to whatever it is that you care about for the duration, which means a a lengthy period of time uh, until the project is done, until something comes to, you know, roost or fruit, then we're going to need you. We're going to need you not burnt out. And when we create this unsustainable ecosystem, it's a recipe for burnout. It means at some point you are going to be unable to continue. And I don't want to see that. And last of all, I want you to enjoy your damn life. When you're committed to too many things, there's no space for adventure or spontaneity or just the pleasure of existing in the moment. When you have a schedule that is packed more full than any one person could possibly attend to, you are setting yourself up to burn out. There's a kind of magical thinking that comes in here that says, oh, well, you know, if I just keep kind of pushing harder, doing more, biohacking my body, all of these things, then, you know, at some point I will magically be transformed into a person who can do it all. I'm here to lovingly say that I think that's bullshit and I want more for you than that lie. It might seem funny to say I want more for you when I'm really asking you to do less, but I want more for you. I want more for your life than for every single square inch of your schedule to be scheduled ahead of time with a million things that you've said yes to that you don't actually want to do, that don't feed you or inspire you, or care for you by attending to something out of necessity that, you know, maybe isn't your your favorite thing to do, but you need to do it, right? Outside of that immediacy of things you want to do and things you need to do or take care of is a whole lot of things that you've said yes to that you had no business saying yes to. And I say this with love because I say it to myself too. This is where it is, right? Do less. Make good choices about what you're going to commit to. Know why you're committing to that. And always, always attend to what you need personally as a human being in order to make good on it. 
All right, so we're going to dive into a couple of examples here, and I'm going to use a case study for you. And that case study is Mara Glatzel and the year-long needy podcast hiatus. I know we talked about this a little bit last time, but we're going to talk about it again. So the first piece that I said here is how do you figure out what to say yes to? So you can only have few priorities, right? You can't, you cannot have too many priorities. These priorities are either by desire or by necessity, meaning you have a lot of excitement and energy for it, or it's truly necessary for your life. So I like to ask myself, what do I really want here? What do I really want? You know, going back to that committee example what do I really want? Why am I doing this? Right? Getting super clear on that ahead of time helps you to bring awareness to any of those sneaky little trap doors for reasons why you say yes to things that don't actually mean that you want or need to say yes to it. So with this case study, for example, bringing back the Needy podcast, when I started talking to myself about bringing Needy back after its year hiatus, I had to get curious. So the first question was, what do I want? Really? I want to bring this podcast back. Okay. You know, I had enjoyed doing the podcast before, very much so. Uh, I hadn't intended to take a whole year off, but it happened. And then I was thinking about bringing it back and I had to get curious about why it was that I wanted to bring it back because there were a lot of sneaky little trap doors here for me. So why did I want to bring it back? I wanted to bring this podcast back for many of the same reasons that I created it four years ago. I created this podcast out of repeated conversations with my clients about the fact that in circles with me or in my courses or in one-on-one work that we were doing together, it was the only place where they heard people speaking positively about needs in their entire life. They had never heard anyone that they knew personally say that they were tired and they were going to rest, that they wanted something more than what they had without feeling guilty for not being grateful enough for everything that they have. They were accustomed to people who pushed far beyond their human capacity and believed that serving others around them, even at the expense of their own health and well-being, was the gold standard of what they should be working towards. So, I started to have these conversations one-on-one and in groups, and they were powerful for people to be on the receiving end of. It was powerful for people to hear other humans talk about how they figure it out, how to be a human, how to have the responsibilities that they have, how to take care of themselves, how to even know what they need to begin with, and basically how they make it work. Regular conversations that you might overhear during your adolescence or with the people who are next to you in the bus or at work that we just don't have. 
Now, I think in the past four years, we've come a long way in talking about our needs, which I'm really excited about. But I think we still have a long way to go. And these conversations are as essential now as they were four years ago. Having ways to get to kind of listen in on two people talking about what it is that they are aching for and how they're making it work, even with everything that they have on their plate. There's so much for us here, both in terms of actual skills that help us figure out how to make positive change in our own lives, but also permission loves company, that resolve that we get by knowing that other people are out there asking for something similar or their own version of what we're asking for, that we are members of this league of tender stewards where we're all kind of showing up and and flipping many of our our social conditioning scripts to ask for things that we may believe we have no business asking for, but we need it all the same. So that's why I wanted to bring the podcast back. Now, what were the trapdoors? Oh, God, they're good. They're many. I didn't really mean to take a break that there's something wrong or embarrassing about that. I'm letting people down. I couldn't hack it. I failed. My perfectionism and ego really had a field day with many of these trapdoors. It was like, you have to bring it back because it's just this lingering incomplete project. This thing that you should have done better than you did. Stories I'm not willing to buy into anymore. So those didn't really ring true for me. Because yeah, sure, I didn't mean to take a year-long hiatus, but uh, I did it intentionally after it started. (laughs) About a month in, I was like, oh yeah, that actually this makes sense. I'm working on this book. I'm doing a bunch of things. I'm really tired after two years of parenting small children in the pandemic and producing so much content. I need a break. So I took one. I don't feel bad about that. So those trapdoors were kind of pushed to the side. But there were other trapdoors, right? Like my publishers who are publishing my book would really like me to bring back my podcast to reach a broader audience before my book comes out. That certainly makes sense. The marketing aspect of having these conversations and connecting with all of you in the needy community in this way makes sense. After all, my book is called Needy. It is built upon many of these conversations and the power of knowing that we need to read stories about needs. But even that, for me, honestly, it didn't hold a lot of weight. I knew that there were other ways that I could market my book if, you know, I didn't feel like bringing back the podcast. So as I started to go through these questions, it began passing a lot of my own personal tests. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew why I wanted to do it. And that why felt solid to me. When I went through the lengthy list of my traditional, you know, Mar Glatzel trapdoors that I often would fall through prior, nothing felt true or real. You know, I didn't feel tugged by it at all. I knew that I wasn't showing up for this thing because I thought that I should or because somebody else wanted me to, or I thought it was what was, you know, right or best or good for me to do. I was doing it because I wanted to do it, 
because I'm good at it. And that for me is the holy grail. When I am both want to do something, when I have natural enthusiasm for it, and also I'm good at it, I like how I do it, which is different than other people like how I do it, right? I like how I do this. I like how my voice sounds. I like how my podcast art looks. I like how I am able to show up here. It resonates with me as I think about a version of myself that I want to bring forward. So now I know, hey, this is a thing that I want to say yes to. But I want to insert a caveat here because so often we talk about this kind of like hell, like full body hell yes or a yes with no hesitation. That's when we know that we're ready. And I have not met one of those yeses yet in my life, particularly or you know, possibly it's because I'm a Pisces and I have, you know, a lot of nuance that I bring to different aspects of my life. Um, I don't know, but I just rarely have that full body hell yes, uh, feeling as it comes to saying yes to something. So I know that I can say yes and I can also be afraid. I can say yes and also have reservations, right? But if I've gone through this process that I'm describing here where I'm asking questions and I'm getting curious, why am I saying yes to this? You know, who is this for? Who benefits? All of these questions, then I'm able to know, even if I feel afraid or even if I have reservations, that it's a it's pretty solid yes for me. All right, so the second piece is, am I willing to be changed by this thing that I say that I want? And when I say be changed, what I really mean is, am I willing to grow to meet this goal? Am I willing to go through the discomfort of whatever shows up for me to get from here to there? And as I said at the beginning, so often the answer for this is no. We are not willing to get uncomfortable for the things that we say that we want. We are not willing to do things differently for the things that we say that we want. So when you are thinking about what to commit to, this is a really essential question. Is Do I want this enough that I'm willing to become uncomfortable for it, in service to it? Am I willing to be changed by it? So bringing it back to this case study of bringing back the Needy podcast, am I willing to grow to meet the goal of bringing this podcast back? Am I willing to be changed by it? And yeah, I mean, for me, this is a really like compelling and good feeling question I like to kind of grapple personally with the idea of what um, is required of me in order to have what I want. And, you know, I, I like the idea of transformation to move forward to meet a goal. But I have to tell you that what was required of me to bring this podcast back was uncomfortable. Namely, I had to realize that I needed more support here than I wanted to allow myself. 
So in the past year, since I put the Needy Podcast on hiatus, I have started acquiring support in my business in a multitude of different areas. I now have a business ops manager who's amazing. I work with a good friend of mine for my design. I have somebody who does some copywriting for me and uh, some admin stuff for me. And so I knew that this was the growth edge for my business because in order for me to have the business that I have and also create the kind of content that I want and like to create, not that I couldn't do all of the things myself anymore. And part of what made the podcast unsustainable for me before was two things. The first is how many episodes I was producing a month. And the second is the fact that I was producing all of those episodes primarily by myself. So the number of episodes I formerly did four episodes a month. And if you're back here, if you're getting acquainted with the new format, moving forward, I am only going to do two episodes a month, sometimes maybe three but mostly two. And they are going to be, one of them will be a solo podcast like this one, and one of them will be an interview. And in scaling back, this is where things started to get uncomfortable, right? Where I started to have all kinds of thoughts and ideas about what other people would think about me doing that. Or is it even possible to grow a podcast if you only do two episodes a month? Never mind the fact that doing four episodes a month just wasn't sustainable for me. And that's a fact. But I had all this discomfort and I had to really get on board with the fact that regardless of what anyone thinks about me, regardless of, you know, gosh, like growth strategies or success metrics or all of these things that I don't want to care about, but live in my mind, just like the rest of us. Uh, regardless of all of that bullshit, I, if I were going to bring the podcast back and I was committed to doing it sustainably, I needed to commit to only doing two episodes a month. So that's the one piece. And I had to kind of duke out like some conversations with my perfectionism to get there. So the second piece is I needed help. And there's something about me, um, which is that I, I just like things a certain way and not because I'm a perfectionist, though I am a perfectionist, but because I kind of just love and get off on a certain level of aesthetic and experience. And I wanted to be a certain way. And I knew that I needed and wanted somebody else to edit the audios in order for it to be that way. I knew that I wanted more production support, but I was carrying this belief that I wasn't going to be able to find anyone that I liked. And it was going to be too, and if I did, it would be way too expensive to pay for. So When I was having these conversations about, am I willing to be changed by this goal? I had to get real with myself around whether or not I was willing to suspend my disbelief that I would find somebody that I liked. I did. Hi, Amelia. And that I would be able to pay for it. And 
this podcast, you know, there are ways to have a budget for production on a podcast. And one of those ways is to sell advertising, which I never, ever wanted to do. I'm really committed to having this be an accessible way to access my work. I have less than zero interest in trying to find advertising, talking to advertisers, like talking about my metrics or things with other people. I mean, I just, I couldn't have less of a (laughs) yes for that. So I knew that that wasn't the way. But I knew that this was a project that people really loved and that was of value to people. So I found my new podcast producer, Amelia. We had a conversation about how else we could figure out a way to bridge that gap to make it to make it work so that again, it was sustainable, not just energetically, but also financially. So something that we decided to create, which I'm unveiling today, is the Needy Podcast Inner Circle. And the Needy Podcast Inner Circle is a way for you, dear listener, should you like, and only should you like, to donate to the operations and upkeep and general awesomeness of the Needy Podcast. So this is a fun kind of club. You can either um, pay a one-time donation or set up something that's uh, reoccurring. Let me just say, as an aside, for anybody who's ever thinking about setting up a donation, what is most sustainable for the organization across the board is something that's reoccurring. Even if you're going to give $100 or you're going to contribute 10 bucks a month for 10 months, it helps so much for the organization to be able to plan for their future in a sustainable way if you set up a recurring donation. So that's a little plug. And you can feel free to to donate to the Needy Podcast in that way as well, should you like. So the Needy Inner Circle is a crew of humans who loves this podcast and wants to contribute to it and who also wants to get something awesome for that. So I set up a Inner Circle online space and put some glorious uh, classes in there. I have my very beloved to-do list makeover in there that you can watch immediately upon signing up, upon donating. And I'm also going to do quarterly Ask Me Anything sessions and give you, you know, first dibs on my offerings, discounts on my offerings, all that good stuff. So I don't think I need to tell you, but maybe I do, how uncomfortable it was coming to this edge of deciding that I was going to open myself up to receive support in this way. But when I committed to this goal and when I committed to allowing myself to be changed by it, I was committing to finding a way, a new way. And this is just an experiment. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. But I know that when I sat and I thought about ways to um, bring more financial sustainability to this podcast, nothing else felt right. Everything else felt like such hard work. And this instead is just an offer for you to reciprocate, you know, your enjoyment of this podcast, if you want to. 
If you don't want to or you can't, please continue listening for free. That is literally the point. And however uncomfortable, however much growth it required for me to get to the point to put all of these pieces together, when you're operating in service to the thing that you want, it's always going to be worth it. Because I already decided that this is something that I wanted. I already decided that I was completely on board with the why. I already decided that I was willing to be changed by it. So the last piece is what do you need in order to make good on your commitments? And this is going to look different for all of us. This is going to be um, unique to the commitment. But... I want you to get comfortable making a tandem commitment to yourself, to your own energetics, every time you say yes to something. Because what I know to be true is, when you say yes to something, you are, consciously or unconsciously, saying no to other things. You are deciding to give your energy to something. So how is that energy being restored? What do you personally require in order to show up for the thing? What support? What help? What self-care enables you to devote yourself to your commitment without burning out? So I know what it's like to be burnt out on my content creation. I have been there before multiple times in my career in working for myself and before. So when I was thinking about what I needed in order to bring this podcast back, I had to be really clear on the fact that I can only say yes to so many things. And is this a thing that I wanted to say yes to in all honesty, right? Because you can want to do something, but not want to make space for it and not want to say no to other things in order to have it. So did I want, did I really want to do this? Was this really a good fit for me? Was I willing to say no to other things in order to make space for it? Was I willing to get the help that I needed, the support that I required in order to bring this forth? Was I willing to create this listener-funded model for the podcast to enable me to bring more financial sustainability to this project that, by definition, was always intended to be the most accessible way for people to interact with my work? So when you are thinking about making decisions for yourself... I hope that you will keep these questions in mind. What do I want? Why do I want it? Am I willing to be changed by it? And what do I need personally in order to make good on that commitment? This is how you plan for sustainability as it relates to the things that you commit to and how you quote unquote spend or use your energy. Because as I said at the start, you can't do everything, but you can do some things, many things even, if you have the right support. 
Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Needy Podcast with Mara Glatzel. If you'd like my support in learning how to nourish your needs, dance on over to theneedypodcast.com. If you love today's episode, pretty please leave us a review on iTunes and join us next week. And as always, permission loves company. So if there's a human in your life that you think can benefit from this conversation, I would be so grateful if you shared it with them. Thank you. Thank you.